This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on authenticity, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Welcome to part two of our 2020 closeout episode where Rachel and I are tackling the topics of loneliness and safety, also getting you set for what is in store for 2021. If you haven't already checked out part one, it is on loneliness. We talk a little bit about death, of course, and this is going to be the second part of the episode. You can listen to them in either order. We hope you enjoy. Let's jump in. Um, I'll, I'll switch gears a little bit though. I don't know if you've shared this on the podcast, so I'm going to say it. We can edit it out if, yeah, <laughs> if you have to, no, not to scare you. I, I think you did, but you at some point had shared like a really strong visual. Um, and I won't get into the details and you can add them if you want to, of like you feeling the embodiment of what it's like to like stand on your own and like experience life but not be affected by everyone else I I think it was around like us talking about a different word I don't know if it was like in a a second or third round of intention setting I don't know um this is ringing a bell at all but when you shared that example that was like to me I was like oh that is like the epitome of me creating my own safety and not to shut the world out because that is generally, and you and I have talked about this too in coaching sessions, even like generally in my past, I would build walls and I I still sometimes do um, versus that, that level of acceptance and just being like, well, this is me and I'm not permeable. I always say that word wrong. Permeable, permeable. Um, yeah permeable permeable thank you permeable enough to like let your you know however I'm with like their shit leak in and make it about me but still be able to like show up and have compassion without taking it on and so as I've been playing with safety this year because there's definitely been a lot of moments in 2020 of not feeling safe from repeating patterns to people that were not healthy in my life to really like a mass letting go of everything that I had created to continue my process of internal growth through all of that there's been a lot of like not feeling safe and then also now I don't want to say coming up the other end because there'll be not like other renditions of this too but like trying to show up as this new person or this vulnerable person or this more open person so I can have connection in my life doing that in a way that still feels safe because most of the time when I I don't want to do it like I want to run from it and then I'm like okay who do you want to be right now you want to be an open vulnerable loving kind person because that will fuel connection and can you be that person despite how the other person reacts or despite the outcome of the interaction and a lot of that like I still see that visual that you shared when I'm doing that so I'll pause do you remember that (laughs) I don't know if I remember the specific there is a visual that I have of myself I'll guess I'll say fully embodied like standing in my power 
um, it is like a, an embodied vision that I come back to a lot. And sometimes it shows up out of nowhere. Sometimes I, I cultivate it. When, when I spoke to safety though, it, th th I wouldn't necessarily connect the two. Safety has been something that has come out of work that I have done that was not, like I wasn't trying to cultivate safety. I wasn't trying to feel safe. I was trying to understand the long-term impacts of the trauma that I've experienced. And I was trying to like figure out what the hell I was supposed to do with it because I'm gonna be 38 and I feel like I'm still circling the same track in different ways, but like, I don't understand how, I couldn't understand how I was still in some of the situations that I've been in again and again. And I'm like, so I've, I've sought out trauma therapists and I'm sure seeds were planted with every single one of them, but the, the, the therapist that I got this year I was drawn to her because she is a somatic therapist. It's technically that you can't call yourself a somatic therapist unless you have a very specific certification. So she can't call herself that, but she's a, she utilizes somatic tools in trauma recovery and as a therapist. And so we started working on the polyvagal theory with the polyvagal theory. And in that, I have started to better understand that I have lived a majority of my life in survival mode. And so the practice of recognizing that within myself has been excruciating and my baselines, and I know we've kind of talked about this before, but my baselines were still rooted in survival. And I didn't know, uh, I didn't know the different, um, I didn't understand, like, I understand fight or flight. I understand like all that, you know, but I didn't understand that I, that there was a state of being called ventral. Um, and in that ventral space, you do feel safe. And so I don't, I don't know if that's the words that they use in the polyvagal theory. I'd actually, I actually really want to get certified in that because it's been such a game changer for me, but um, I say at a high it, level, what is, I know you and I have talked about it. I don't know how much I retained of it, but what is the polyvagal theory at like a super high level? Yeah. And I'm probably not going to get it totally right either, but there's a vein that goes from our lower, um, brain mm -hmm. stem down our vertebrae and called the, um, vagus nerve. And it is the, the main nerve that oversees our nervous system. And so nervous system. I don't know. I feel like there's multiple systems. And so, um, in along that nerve. Um, so I think that's why it's called the polyvagal theory, um, that it, it has to do with that regulation through that nerve. And so there's three different like places you could be. Um, one is a ventral state or states you could be ventral state, um, the sympathetic state and the um, dorsal state. And so the ventral state is where you centered, embodied, grounded, connected to oneself. Um, you can you 
trust, you have a knowing, you're experiencing the things that are happening in life without getting totally, like you still feel the sadness, but it's not, you're not getting taken from it, taken with it. Um, the sympathetic is where you go into a fight, flight, fight or flight. So anxiety tends to be a main thing there. Um, survival mode. Basically, you think that there is something that can be done. And so you're either trying to fight the thing or run from the thing to protect yourself. And then if you get to a point where you don't feel like you have any other options, you go into dorsal, which is where you basically your system shuts down. It goes into energetic. Um, oh, I can't think of the word right now. Um, preservation. So disassociate. Like um, or, yeah. Okay. So disassociation, numbing out. Um, and so what I'm finding is, and, and I don't know if we talked about this in here, but I started to recognize that when I would meditate from a place of survival, sometimes I was like, holy shit, I think my meditation is actually dropping me into a dorsal state, not a ventral state. And so I have been having to play with, or not having to, I have been playing with my whole, everything is about like starting to recognize what it feels like in my body, sensations, um, emotions, behaviors within each of those states so that I can recognize the difference. And so I would go, the dorsal state felt, cal it's calm. It can be, it's, it can be like a very, very, it's so calm. It's frozen and like, but it is walled up. And so I, when I look back at my history, I was in that disassociated place from the time I had cancer, maybe before that, but for sure, once I had cancer until pretty recently, and then I would fluctuate between like the sympathetic survival, dra like dramatic, defensive, like, um, desperate, desperate action, um, to complete shutdown. And so the shutdown felt, that's what I thought calm was. And so when I would go into these meditative states, I've actually kind of, I haven't stopped meditating, but I'm a lot more intentional. I actually am practicing more of a mindful meditation at this point, just because I can check, I can go into this checkout place because it feels good, but I'm not necessarily embodied. And so it's a different type of space. Now, I don't think that if you know what you're doing and you're choosing that, like, I think there's a lot that I love meditation, but I was using it as a, at times, a lot of times as like a checkout. I'm going to check out from this experience and just kind of numb into a, a bliss state. Um, so yeah. So now being able to tell that difference and I'm still learning between the, the dorsal and the ventral. And to go back to what you were saying earlier, I've struggled often with like, how do I know what it is that I should be doing right now? Like I have a knowing, but then I would get like really lost in like, I don't know if I can trust myself. Like, is it me? Is it them? Is it, and a lot of my stuff, it has to do with relationships. Um, a lot of my coping mechanisms, a lot of my addictive tendencies tend to be in relationship and how I navigate them. And so, um, so yeah, it's been um, fascinating to notice when I can get into a ventral state 
no, not get it. when I'm able to like recognize I'm in ventral or cultivate that state for myself, because you're not going to be there always. So when I notice like, oh, I'm trying to like solve, fix, I'm having anxiety. I'm in a sympathetic response right now. I can actually, I now have tools that I can do to drop myself back into, take care of myself, to breathe, to, to get myself back to ventral. And when I'm in there, I have a way better ability to look at the situation around me objectively and to realize like, oh, that's not mine. I am safe. I am okay. That person is having that, oh, that person's probably in sympathy right now that person's actually probably in dorsal right now they might not even know it it's what is my responsibility here it's actually to take care of myself because most likely i'm being triggered even hair as a head of hair and so normally i'd be like oh my gosh they're freaking out i have to fix it i have to make it better and then there's a whole bunch of other stuff involved around like me feeling like i had a sense of purpose by being able to be the person that could be there when nobody else would be there for somebody. So like, there's this whole thing there, which is quite narcissistic. And so anyways, by cultivating my own ventral state, which I call safety for myself versus survival, I, my view of the world change, like I am able to coexist with what is in a way that doesn't, I, it's like, I can be standing here and witnessing like this is happening but it isn't mine. Like I am here in the same room with somebody who's tweaking out right now. And what is my responsibility here? It's to stay with myself so that I don't take that on and to stay with myself long enough to ask like, is there something here that I need to own? Is there something here that I need to fix, you know, to, to clean up? If not, do I want to be here? Like, I just, I have a lot more tools in that space. When I go into sympathetic and dorsal, that's where I tend to get lost in like blame and um, self-blame, self-abuse, external blame, trying to find somebody to take the buck. Um, yeah. So yeah, as I've, I've, yeah. I was just going to say there's, um, there's a visual from my trainer, trainer days that comes up in this and it, this one was specifically saying the difference between sympathy and empathy but I also think it applies here and they had a picture of someone who was stuck in quicksand and they're about to go under and it said sympathy is you jumping into the quicksand with them to help them <laughs> and empathy is actually staying outside of the scenario and thinking okay like what is my responsibility here it's to keep myself safe. And I'm adding your stuff in now. We didn't go into this level of detail in the training, but it's like to keep myself safe, to make sure that I'm okay, to make sure that I'm clear and to realize this person is in quicksand, but it does not mean that I need to jump into quicksand with them. It means I can help. Maybe I can hold out a rake or something and they can grab a hold of it, but I cannot, like me jumping in the quicksand with them is the least helpful thing ever. And I feel like that's kind of what you're saying is yeah, a lot of us just jump sure. into the quicksand and we're like, we're in the trauma or the reaction with you versus being like, okay, am I safe first? Let's make sure, okay, I'm not in the quicksand. Cool. Now I want to help you if I can without hurting myself. Yeah. And way easier said 
often don't. Oh, yeah. Like of right course, now you're course. saying that from a ventral state, but mm-hmm. it, when, when you are triggered and it happens so fast and, and, and I, again, I'll speak from I, I didn't even know what the, I, I was in sympathetic response always. I mean, that's where I was. And so I didn't even know how not, how to recognize that. I, I mean, that's just what my baseline was. And so I was never operating from a ventral place to be able to say, Hey, Hey, check in with yourself. Like, <laughs> no, that's not what was happening. I was like, it was immediate survival mode. Cause I was already in survival mode. So mm-hmm. like, yes. And I mean, I've been working with this therapist for a few months now and my very impatient self was like, when do we get to the point where we're like working through the specific things that I want to be recovered on my trauma on? And she was like, I mean, she didn't say it in these words, but she basically was like, we can't go there until you actually know how to cultivate safety within yourself so that we can go there. Because if I don't make sure that you can do that on your own, I'm setting you up for failure. I'm basically throwing you into the lion's den covered in a meat suit. Like, so it's been a lot of just really slowing down and not trying to force myself to even have to worry about what I'm going to do. But it's like in my every day, just recognize like, oh, I'm in, I, I couldn't even like recognize it. Like it's being in the sessions with her and her being like, check in with your body right now. And then being like, fuck, I'm fucking amp- I'm activated right now. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even realize it. And so Now, you know, I do that. I've been able to do that in this controlled environment. And now I'm cultivating, like carving out parts of my day that where I, I proactively on my own, am cultivating these like, you know, walks for myself or like specific things that I am choosing where I create an environment that drops me into a ventral. And now that it's just expanding so that I can know what it feels like in my body to be in a grounded, connected spot so that when I recognize, like I'm, I can recognize the behaviors now because we've done the same thing of like, what does it look like when you go into sympathetic? What does it look like when you go into dorsal? So now I, I, I can catch it sooner and be like, okay, oh, I am in this state now. <laughs> what do you, what do you need to do? And it's like, it seems like it'd be so easy, but when you're in a fight or flight, Mm -hmm. you are literally trying to survive. So (laughs) it's like, it's like, why am I fucking getting into the quicksand? I'm getting it. I'm in the quicksand. I'm in the quicksand. I'm in the quicksand. I'm in the quicksand. I want, I'm in the quicksand. (laughs) It's like, so it's like, um, and so that's what I'm in right now is like, recognizing when I'm in the quicksand and then realizing like, oh yeah, you have the tools for this. You have the tools for this. What's the first thing you do? You know, what's the second thing you do? What's the third thing you do? Um, and then over time, I feel like I'm in, I'm, I don't get all the way into the quicksand, you know, but it's like that survival mode is like not necessarily coherent. No. And I mean, um, it has a purpose, right? We have it to protect us. Like it's an important part of who we are to be alive as humans, but yeah, how do you manage it? I'll also add, because not everyone 
jumps into the quicksand. Some people also just run away and leave someone else in the quicksand. So that is mm -hmm. another <laughs> version yeah, of that. For sure. And like, it's the fight is jumping into the quicksand. The flight is leaving the person in the quicksand and just, you know, going away. And I mean, the freeze is potentially just standing on the edge and doing nothing. And then potentially even falling into the quicksand because the freeze you move out me, of the way. <laughs> you know? I mean, the freeze for me would be sitting down and fantasizing that I'm not in the quicksand. There you go. That it's not, that it's not happening. That it's not real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, th and that's mine. That's my own yeah. exploration. So, so yeah, yeah. It, it's, um, and, and I will say that as I've been able to do that, I've now been able to start looking at aspects of myself that I just, I honestly didn't have I remember in my very first session with my therapist, she said, do you feel safe being with yourself? And I mean, that may have just been like a question she has to ask when you're working with trauma sure. survivors. Um, and I'd never had anyone ask me that before. And my immediate response was like, absolutely. I feel yes, but it stuck with me. And I've, uh, I've, I've often thought to myself since then, like, yeah, you know, I do have a pretty loud self abuse inner self abuser and um and there's a there's a lot there and and the more that i've been able to cultivate this ventral state the more i've been able to look a lot more objectively at the self abuser and and to catch it and to be like hey you know what i say to myself to be able to not lean into that um and it's been able to allow me to um, start to own the parts of myself that I've been so ashamed of. And, and codependency was one of them. You know, I, I, I am part of a, a recovery group for that. And that was a really big step for me to take this year because I was very, very ashamed. Um, I had a lot of judgment towards the idea of being codependent. Um, I have a lot of nasty words that I had for anyone who would be that. And I didn't want to have anything associated with it. And I am absolutely codependent. I think a lot of us actually are uh, probably every human is in some capacity. And I kind of wish a lot of these quote unquote recovery, I think we we're all addicted. We're all codependent. I think we're all narcissistic. And I wish that there were, I wish that our health classes and our mental health classes growing up weren't about separating out the people who had diagnosticable <laughs> diagnoses, like criteria mm -hmm. that allowed them to be, they are them and we are not that. The normal. Um, because because we quotes. are all that, which means none of us are getting to examine the parts of ourselves that are narcissistic. None of us are getting to examine the parts of ourselves and to learn to work with them they are there. It might not be as prevalent as, as defaulted as other people, but we all have all of it. And so, um, that has being in the ventral state has allowed me to be able to sit with, and then actually showing up at codependency meetings and, and yeah, just the community. I mean, the community, I read a, a thing recently, which kind of then ties back to, um, the loneliness. Uh, there was a um, Instagram post that somebody did that said, we don't need more self-help. We need more community help. Or sometimes self-help is actually very harmful because it's more isolating when really the person needs community help. So stop telling them that they need to 
figure it out on their own, which they do. I mean, it's both, yeah. but, um, but it's like that ability for me to show up in the cancer support group, to show up in codependency support groups. I'm going to be joining a narcissist support group because there's a, an array of um, narcissism too. And instead of judging myself harshly or over labeling myself, I want to get curious with an, I want to get curious and build a relationship with the narcissist in within me because yeah. I know she's there. And when I've looked at things that way, it's been able to allow me to own it instead of be so over identified or trying to be ident not identified with it. And it's like, sorry, we live in America. If like, we're all fucking narcissists. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Hate to break it to you. <laughs> Hello, Rachel here. As you know, I'm a life coach and I'm really excited to offer the True North Collective community an exclusive discount on life coaching as we finish up this year of 2020 and head into 2021. So if you're interested, simply reach out to me via email at rachel.unstuck at gmail.com and mention the promo code TRUENORTHHOLIDAYS and you'll receive 10% off any packages or sessions purchased between now and the end of January 2021. It would be an absolute privilege and honor to witness, celebrate, and hold space for you to reconnect to the power of your own authenticity. Now back to the podcast. <laughs> it's like a, a lot of us, we've used the analogy of the mirror and I come back to this a lot is generally if there's something about someone else that really is bothering me, a lot of times it's because I have that in me and I haven't had the compassion or dealt with it before. So very, very similar. And just the curiosity there versus the judgment, because you're probably judging yourself for the same things because you labeled it yeah. you know, right or wrong. I'll yeah. also add, even in relationships to what you're saying, like being in these communities and not doing self-help and isolation, if you can cultivate relationships where you can come forward and just be honest, there, I feel like half the time that just solves the problem. Like, I, I've been really practicing this again in like a romantic relationship, but and, and in friendships too, but like the anxieties that I've had around a romantic different aspects or facets of a romantic relationship, rather than just sitting there and keeping them inside. And then all of a sudden I start to feel like I'm a victim to something that I've never even said out loud is just saying it and like doing it in a way too that is like, hey, I realize this isn't fair. This is from my past, but this is how I'm feeling right now. And I just want you to be have the awareness you don't have to solve it for me it's my responsibility but you might pick up on this energy in the relationship and it's not really about you it's it's mine but I want you to know and even just like the act of being able to have that conversation in a relationship it like almost just makes I don't want to say it makes the problem go away like magically but it it is that you know that breath and that release and then all of a sudden rather than feeling like a victim or potentially like building up resentment that is not warranted on this person it's like past resentment it's out in the open and now we can talk about it and actually take steps to move past it and then that person can again it's not their responsibility to solve it for me but they can be sensitive towards it and like know that it's there and like that is a really cool space of co-creation I really haven't had much experience with before but I'm realizing like how critical it is just that moment of being seen and having someone be like okay I heard you I know it's not my responsibility but I'm here to support if 
possible. And I can trust that you can take care of it on your own. Yeah, that's, I actually wrote in my journal this morning. I want relationships in my life where people can say, I know, cause I can tend, well, I wrote, I want relationships in my life where people can say to me, I know you've got you, you don't need me. And I am here with you while you remember that you've got you because I'm not going to be the one to save you. You are going to save yourself and vice versa. So it's like that idea of like, I am here with you while you save yourself is so beautiful. It's not something that I'd ever really considered before. And I think that's what I've always been asking for, but didn't really know how to say it. And it's, it is nuanced. Mm -hmm. And to ask somebody to sit with you, like I remember talking to Bruno at one point and she was like, do you just want me to like sit there and listen? And then I was just like, and not, and like, she didn't totally understand. And um, it was a really cool experience for her to like ask the question for me to not totally know how to explain it. And for us to get to a place where we, she could do it and understand what her role was in a way that felt good to her and felt good to me. And now in hindsight, I'm like, that's what I was, that's what we got to is like, I can be here with you from while you take care of you. And when you forget, like, I'm not going to run. If you try to push it on me, I'm going to remind you like, no, you, you've got this, like, this isn't, this isn't mine and, and vice versa, you know? And yeah, I just, I, I really love that. Um, I'm jumping up and down is those words so concise and exactly what I think I've been playing with because we've had conversations about relationships on this podcast. And I think a lot of us specifically women more so, but men, I'm sure too, like it's, we expect to be saved. And that is kind of how I felt my entire life. And I've approached relationships. It's like I was independent, but at the same time, I wanted someone to save me from my own shit. Like I wanted them to make it better for me. And it's only ever led to resentment and feeling that like emptiness. And I definitely haven't said it that concisely in my own state, but what I've started to do now is own my own shit. And I've had conversations where, again, it's like, this is how I'm feeling And I'll say, this is not yours. I'm sharing it with you. But do you trust me to handle my own shit? Because people do sometimes they want to run or they want to try to fix it for you, which again, that's conditioning. That's what we've been taught. Like it all comes from a good place, but like having to look at someone and insane, like the amount of power, even though it felt really shitty in the moment and like took some time to even out, but like realizing the empowerment that comes from me saying, like, hey, this is happening right now. But I also know. I know I can handle this. I know I will take ownership over it. I'm talking about it because I want there to be an awareness around it. And do you trust me to handle it? Because I trust me to handle it. And I'm not going to walk away right now because I know I can handle it. And like that is just like mic drop, boom. And you just said it in like a much condensed version. But I was like, what? Yes. It's even, I mean, but even to be able to say, do you trust me? And if that person says no, it's fine. I still to be trust okay, <laughs> to be like, to be able to, to be, and I'm going to use again, the language that I've been 
working with, like to be able to drop into or to get myself to a place where I can be in a ventral state to know what I want to do with that information. Whereas before I'd be like, what, you don't trust me? Well, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to make this all about some big drama thing that I'm the victim of. And how could I be in a relationship? How could you, how could, how could, how could, how could, and it just would turn into like, whatever. And now to be able to be like, okay, this is the reality that we are dealing with. And if I don't feel like I can respond in a way that feels ventral, that feels like I am cultivating my own sense of self, I need to remove myself so that I can get there and then digest what is, what it, can I accept that? And, and in that acceptance, what do I want to do with it? Putting myself in choice, in choice, in choice. And I just had a kind of aha that when I am in conversation with people where I start to even think to myself, like, is this them or is this me? That is an indication for me that I am not, I'm no longer in ventral. That, so it's like, I'm, and that's what I've been in lately is trying to notice the fine nuances before they become the big expressions of sympathetic and dorsal so that I can be like, oh, already when I'm starting to question who, who is the person that is, that is like, that's me already in sympathetic trying to survive something. And so that is an, that is already a place for me to stop trying to figure out the answer and to come back to myself and do the steps that I need to, to cultivate my own sense of self and safety so that I can then reconnect to what is my truth, truly my truth, my grounded centered truth. Now, what do, what, what is my take on this scenario? Oh, this is my truth. But when I'm playing it out, it's very easy to slip into sympathetic like a lot and then start to question myself. And like, so I'm very much in that place of like coming back. So I'm, I'm recognizing myself that that thing I've been in where I've been like trying to solve these unsolvable uh, head intellectualizations is sympathetic. And I, that's actually an invitation for me to come back to myself. So I just need to say that out loud. Thank you for giving me that space. I think by now you all know that Rachel and I met at Spire Fitness and we are excited to announce a special promotion that Spire Fitness is offering to our listeners. If you are in the Milwaukee area or plan on visiting the Milwaukee area, Spire is offering the True North Collective podcast listeners a 15 class pack for the price of 10. So buy a 10 class pack and get five classes for free. You can do this on their website at spire-fitness.com or through the MindBody app or MindBody online. New Year's resolutions are just around the corner. And if you're looking for an amazing community to get sweaty with, to feel supported with, and to be able to really drop into your body and enjoy that movement. And it inspires a really special place to both Rachel and I. So go ahead and check it out. Get your sweat on. Okay, let's jump back in. No, thank you. Um, This, having this conversation one right now, I feel like I have a sense of calm that I haven't had in a while. And I'm end of the year I think brings this up but just in general I'm feeling like super reflective on a lot of what we're talking about right here like some of it I mean like quite a bit is 
not from the podcast, but like so much of these things that I'm learning about myself are because of the conversations that we've had with our guests on the, on the podcast and like the, the little small, they have an impact in the moment, but the lasting impact that they have, which isn't always documented. I think we're documenting it right now. Like just how much us saying season two is about making friends as an adult. And then we're connecting the dots now and I'm being more open and vulnerable about like this loneliness that I had experienced for so long and like how that has changed just from like, yes, I'll pat myself on the back, like me taking control and being intentional of my life, but then also having conversations with you and with other people on the podcast about friendship and safety and death. And we've kind of been all over, but I just, I want to call a sense of, you know, gratitude and appreciation and when we talk about like connecting the dots into our life and those pivotal points, like so many of those seeds that are planted, they're planted in the podcast and those things stay in the back of my mind. And I hope that when people listen to these episodes, like they can have a similar experience of like, oh yeah, I remember when I listened to that, like I'm going to get curious about myself now. And where does that continue to carry on in their lives? So Yeah. I mean, I'm same because where else in my life would I be able to be like, I have to carve out two hours of my day to have a conversation about loneliness and safety with somebody that wasn't for, we just don't do it. No, it's just without, there's no out, there's no outcome. There's no like, it's literally to have the conversation to capture the organic, whatever comes of it. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what was going to come mm-hmm. out of my mouth. I never and, know. This. <laughs> and like, yeah, I mean, yes. And there's the buy-in too, like we're both agreeing to come into the yeah, conversation yeah, 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 and have it too, yeah. which is not always the case. It's like, I can come into a conversation with a friend and be like, hey, I kind of want to talk about loneliness. And they might be like, what? Like, no. Yeah. So, like, oh, great. Am I going to have to just like sit here and like take it for fucking an hour? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will add that, but it's, yeah, it's just been a really cool space. Um, I'm going to transition a little bit unless do you have any yeah, go for it. No, I'm good. thoughts? I'm cool. good. I, oh, I do want to just say, there's a lot of resources that I have been tapping into. I will make sure that they are all in the show notes um, because there's some really good stuff out there. Um, it, it's hard, but it's good. So yeah. Awesome. We are almost to the end of 2020. Who knew it went by so fast and yet probably so slow at times. Um, and we're closing at season three. We're about to get into season four what we're going to end up doing um, for the sake of time is check out, we'll drop a little promo clip that we're actually about to record right now, but um, we'll extend it into and release it towards the end of the year, letting you know what we're excited about for season four of the Turn of Collective podcast. I highly recommend checking that out because we have been spending a lot of time brainstorming and coming up with new and different ways that you all can connect with us, connect with the the community in general, and be able to have these types of conversations, make it more scalable and have us not be the bottleneck to having the conversation. Um, so we're looking to start to build those types of things. So a couple, it'll probably be like a week or two after this episode gets uh, released, but watch for that because we have a lot of exciting things coming in season four. Do you have anything to add before we record the promo? Cliffhanger? I don't think so. No. 
I mean, it was pretty, it was a pretty ambiguous like thing, but yeah, I think your point of like, we recognize how impactful this space continues to be for us and how can we enable more of these types of conversations to happen um, in the world, whether we are there or not. And like, how do we allow the True North Collective to be a vehicle for those conversations to happen because they are really powerful. So yeah, I think that's what we are living into. Not that we haven't figured out, but we're going to keep showing up and seeing what, what it tells us it wants to be, which is cool. I'm, glad, I'm, I'm honored to be a steward of that. Yes. Very much so. Well, thank you for this conversation, Rachel. Yeah, of course. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard, please consider leaving us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.